Welcome back to Dakar Rally Daily. I'm Jesse Ziegler. And I'm Quinn Cody. And we have stage five results show on tap for you. Stage five was a doozy. Big one, big, big stage today. Really, really difficult. Uh, we're hearing we're hearing from the bivouac that this is one of the toughest stages in a long time at a Dakar. Yeah, I'm tired just watching it because I stayed up so late last night. But I mean, I'm not as exhausted as the guys that spent five hours on the race course yesterday. Yeah, five hours and nine minutes was the was the winning time yesterday. So the fastest. Yep. And that's the time section. That's not counting the liaison stage. So they, those yeah. boys had a long day and this is their fifth day of riding. So they got to be starting. There's got to be some uh, wear and tear going on on the old body. They got to start feeling that. Plus, um, there are some people that are still racing. Yes. I think there's probably still about 20 guys out on the stage. And just for your reference, it's about, I don't know, roughly seven o'clock in the morning, California time. Um, and these guys started at seven o'clock in the morning, Saudi Arabia time. And it's almost 6 PM there in Saudi right now. Yeah. So they've been on the bike for 12 hours. And not just the guys out on the on the stage itself, but there's still guys, a lot of guys on the liaison on their way back. So yeah, there's going to be some guys coming in in the dark tonight. Um, luckily, not many of the top contenders, but some mm. of our uh, you know some of our amateurs yep. are out there, and they're that's where the real struggle is. Yeah, and some of the original guys by Motul, the guys that are just doing it themselves, are probably starting to feel all that work they have to do on their bikes. But uh, let's start with the top contenders first. Um, Big day for Monster Energy Honda's Kevin Benavides. He went out hard, fast, pinned it, and had a huge sort of get off. I think I I'm sure there'll be a clip. Maybe there won't be a clip somewhere of his crash, but he crashed hard. Apparently, tore his face open on his navigation tower, broke some of his navigation equipment. Yeah, it sounds like uh you know the reports we're getting from the bivouac is a broken nose and a sprained ankle, but he he was still able to. Um, to win the stage. Yeah. Apparently that happened pretty early in the stage. Yeah. I couldn't really tell where it happened, but yeah, you know, I think we have a sound clip. Yeah. I think let's hear can. from, let's hear from Kevin. All right. Here it goes. Well, it was a really hard day for me. I, at the beginning, I, I get lost like all the riders, but after that I start to push a lot. And in one dune, I jump, a big jump. And I crash because I take another one, big one on the, in the front. So I do like this with my head. Also, I broke the GPS and everything. And I make a cut here. So uh, I start to blow the uh, to lose a lot of blood, a lot. So also some pain on the, my ankle. But at the end, uh, I continue. So I keep pushing with a lot of pain. But yeah. Was really hard for me today. So you you hit your nose, your your head on the. Yeah, look, it's, yeah, it's broken. Okay. Yeah. yeah, also I broke the helmet a little bit. But it was really hard. <laughs> and the ankle is fine. You think for tomorrow it will be okay, or you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's okay. Pain, but it's okay. okay. I will continue. So yeah, I try to push also in the last part to to try to win some time, but well, it was was hard. A lot of pain today, but it's like that. This is Dakar. <laughs> These guys just laugh that off sometimes. Wow, right? That's that's gnarly. I mean, <laughs> uh, I yeah. tell you, it, I, I had an experience in in 2011. Um, I crashed pretty big, and I I want to say it was on the fifth or sixth stage. Um, ended up breaking my thumb, and I can tell you, I've never had a more difficult time getting out of my tent in the morning 
and getting on the motorcycle and you know the next day and next i think day, kevin's right. kevin's gonna be sore tomorrow and it's gonna be real tough he's got to lead out too yep through a lot of lot of dunes so it's gonna be a tough day for kevin tomorrow tough but. day for kevin but you know he's got all the best uh medical care and he's got a physio there in the bivouac so they're gonna they're gonna work hard to get him back into shape yep uh ricky brabeck's teammates at the top of the sheets today uh his motorhome roommate Nacho Cornejo uh, led for a long day today. He led out 300K or something. We got a report from Johnny Campbell in the pits. Yeah, he uh, sounds like he led a lot of the stage, and you know he's a seems to be coming to the surface as a really good navigator. So. Yeah, and remember in our interview with Toby Price earlier, if you haven't heard that, go back and find it. He's Toby's dark horse pick for having a very good result. Yeah, I believe it was his pick for second place. Yeah, second place behind Toby Price. That's what Toby so. said. Second on the stage today, Nacho Cornejo. Yeah, it was a tough stage. It's a long time since I remember a stage as tough as this one, you know. Everything, uh, rock, trails, dunes, fast parts, tricky navigation. Uh, I did a good job, I think, with the navigation. Didn't get lost in the beginning where everyone got lost and made up a lot of time in the, to the guys that started in front of me very quick. So I start to open the stage maybe at kilometer 80 or 90 until, well, almost the end. Uh, then Lysander start to push a little bit in the dunes in front. He did a good job. And the rest I open almost all the stage. So uh, I don't know in the results, but hopefully some guys in the back uh, beat me for not that much. And tomorrow I don't have to open, but we'll see anyways. Uh, either uh, the result of this stage, I'm very happy with, with how today with my riding and with my navigation so yeah happy uh, we're uh, improving in the overall classification so that's good and tomorrow another day now time to rest and to uh, focus for tomorrow you can hear him not wanting to lead out even though he's very strong at doing that um, but he is going to have to be second out of yeah. the gate tomorrow so he didn't get beat by as many people at the end of the day Right. I mean, second, you know, you might, you, you might as well be leading out yeah. if you're starting in second, because yeah. you know, the first guy in front of you, you're going to catch him pretty quick. And then you guys are going to be working together. Probably the top three or four guys are going to be kind of grouped up in the dunes. Trying to get away from the wolf pack, chasing you down in the back out there. Um, one thing we're missing from the top classifications is Ricky Brabeck. He definitely yeah. went into these two last days with strategy. We talked to Johnny yesterday and he gave us, you know, honestly as much input as he can without revealing too much but ricky was looking to make up some time today from uh the yeah, jumping off the pendulum we, swing we don't we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here uh yeah. jesse because we got to kind of paint the picture you know <laughs> of, of what's going on in the race we yeah got, that's true we got toby price who who finished third today so this yeah. before we get into ricky brayback we got to kind of look at the competition and who's up front yeah that's true we, I, I, you know, or I go being a Ricky Brayback fan get, again. Getting a little excited about Ricky here, and you know, we we saw we saw Toby Price finish third, and he was only a only a minute twenty off the lead. So that's that's big news, and that kind of paints a picture of what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. So now we can look at Ricky Brayback, or we can keep going. I'm okay talking about everybody in the top five because these guys are really putting it in the right spot, right? Uh, true, we got true. Toby's in third, like you said, he's only a minute out. 20 seconds behind second place that's that's basically everybody's on the same time 
then the Sherco factory writer, Lorenzo Santolino, came in. You know, he's sitting in fourth. Yeah, impressive. Very impressive. Very good ride from him. Uh, the guy that we keep talking about, other than Skylar Hose, staying in a very conservative spot right in the middle of Sam Sunderland on the KTM team. And you brought up the year he won was very similar to this. Yeah. So 2017, you know, Sam was pretty quiet that year. He didn't, he didn't make a lot of moves. He, I think he won one stage, Mm -hmm. but he, he kept it pretty steady. And, and like I was saying, you know, if you can, if you can get an average finish of fourth to fifth this year, maybe a little bit different, um, you're going to be, you're going to be winning this rally. And Sam's consistently finished around fifth, sixth. He's, yep. he's kept it right there. And and for sure, we're seeing strategy play out with, with him. I mean, he's in fifth on the stage. He's fifth overall in the rankings. He's six minutes out of the lead. He's right in that cushion spot we've been talking about. Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of benefits to doing that because you're avoiding those, those big exertions of energy. So yeah. you're not riding from 23rd place, Sprinting, wide open trying yeah. to make up 15 minutes wearing your bike out wearing your body out yeah everything else so he's able to conserve and he's going to go into the second week pretty fresh when the durability and the uh, endurance really starts kicking into place um you know skyler again um he's in seventh right behind uh xavier de Soltrate. so we got a couple other guys that have just been consistently sitting there maybe not on everybody's radar to win but Skyler's riding like a veteran and Xavier is off awfully, awfully consistent. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a big one. And, and, you know, he's really impressed me this year is, is seeing how consistent Xavier has been. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's on a, he's on a bike that he clearly likes this year. So that, yep. I think that's a big deal. Uh, the Husqvarna seems to be suiting his style really well. Yep. He's doing the other, the other guy, I mean, Ross Branch has been very consistent, but the other guy we're seeing is, is Pablo Quintanilla. Yep. He got, he lost 12 minutes today. So he's a little bit on the other end of that swing, but still, still relatively steady. Yeah. Once you get down there in those 10 spots, we're really seeing those guys, unfortunately stuck on that swing still. Um, Ricky tried to jump off it yesterday. Um, Joan Beretta did not try to jump off it and just pinned it. And now, you know, Ricky and John are in the same spot again, basically. Yeah. I mean, Beretta finished 17th, Brabeck finished 12th. Yep. So Ricky's going to have to make a decision tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. And it's either you go full gas and try to make up the time that he's down in the general classification, which after today is is significant. It's It's 25 minutes. Yeah. So he's 25 minutes out of the lead in the general race which is the one that matters. Stage wins and everything are great to talk about, but they don't really matter when it comes down to the end. Right. So what does Ricky Brabeck do tomorrow? Does he try to hold up and finish in that steady position and get off the swing and try to try to hang there with Sunderland? Or does he go full gas and try to put as much time on his competitors as possible and then go into the marathon stage, possibly leading out? If you were Ricky Brabeck and Johnny Campbell, what would you do? What would you tell Ricky Brabeck to do if you were Quinn Campbell? So tomorrow me inside inside Johnny Campbell's head. Yeah. He Johnny's a very stick to the plan kind of guy. Sure. Um so I see I see maybe Johnny saying tell, talking to Ricky and saying, "Hey, just be steady. Try to get a try to get a fifth, try to get a sixth, try yep. to hang in there." But on the other side of things, 
that 25 minutes, if he doesn't make that up at some point, he's going to run out of time, you think, yep. to make it up? Yep. And tomorrow's a big dune stage, and this could be one of his last opportunities to really make up the make up a big significant chunk of time yeah remember we saw 30 minute time swings already this year in earlier stages and 20 minutes was not uncommon even you know in the last couple of stages so we 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 predict navigation to be harder this year and today it seems like that was the first time it really happened we saw guys getting lost basically after that first waypoint um people going backwards trying to find their way yeah so ricky lost the bulk of his time in the between the first two waypoints right so he, he lost early. a big chunk of time and i think he was back uh close to 25 minutes early on we saw him kind of on the live tracking and yeah, right. our website he was going backwards and forwards and yep really struggling to to find the right track and then after waypoint two he he picked it up and he started he started reeling guys in and, and sucking up time so he he rode good the second part of the stage but he just kind of really struggled that first 75 80 kilometers yeah he put himself back in basically virtual place after that first waypoint 35th place so <clears throat> he put himself into a hole that he had to dig out of all day right. um in a, in what we're hearing from all reports was a extremely challenging navigation stage with finally some average speeds that represent normalcy yeah so our, our average speed i mean if you can call that normal uh 54 <laughs> mile per hour average speed on, on a stage um for 200 miles is is you know relatively normal that's getting down into like what we would see in a baja 1000 sorry so, it's 283 miles yes and you know, and yep. this is in relation to yesterday's stage where Beretta averaged 75 mile per hour for the stage. So the fatigue has to be happening to these guys. They got to start getting tired. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you hang it out that, that many days in a row and you're riding that high speed. These, you know, these are top fit athletes yeah. who yep. are, you know, train every day of their life for this. But at the same time, you you know you can't ride five days in a row at full pace without starting to feel some fatigue. Yeah, very cool. Well, um, I think we should probably bring in our interview today. You think yes. we can get somebody on the phone? I think we can we can give it a shot. We got a very special uh, special guest today. Yeah, we're going to talk to Red Bull KTM team manager Jordy Villadomes. Uh, we got him up on the line now. Yeah. Give you a little history of Jordy. He's Competed in Dakar rallies 15 times, so 10 times as a racer. Yeah, and, and he's been five a, times as a team manager. Team manager. So if there's anybody that has more experience in trying to predict this crazy race or have more sort of you know reference points for this crazy year and what to expect going forward, this is going to be the guy to ask, and I can't wait to get his input. Yep, we'll, we'll give it a shot. We'll try to get Jordy on the line. All right, hang tight. All right, we got Jordy Villadomes on the phone. KTM, a Red Bull KTM factory rally racing team manager and Dakar rally veteran. Jordy, thank you so much for giving us the time today after a really tough stage five. Welcome. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk with you guys. Today looked like it was a pretty um, classic, difficult Dakar stage. Um, how how are the guys doing after uh, after today's long long stage? Yeah. It was it was long and tough and uh, and also during the the stage it was uh, tricky points of the navigation uh, just at the beginning so it was after all all the problems they got 
they, they, they have a still 400 kilometers to go, so looked like it was a, a longer stage for them. Wow. Uh, navigation's been the big talk this year for the rally. Going in, the organizers said they were going to make it harder and make it slower. Um, up until this point, we've seen hard navigation, but it certainly hasn't slowed the race down. But today, we saw a big reduction in speeds. Have you, uh, have you seen that coming? Did you know it was going to happen today, or did you think today was going to be another really fast stage? Honestly, we thought that uh, it was going to be a, a fast stage because last year we've been in the same area. Uh, it was the same area than stage six last year. But uh, it looks like it was an area, but they did more tricky navigation. So they promised that the navigation would be hard, and, and today uh, they get it. And as you said at the beginning, some stages uh, were still too fast, the last three so we were, we were like, uh, the riders were complaining a little bit, no, about this fact that okay, the navigation is hard, but not uh, we don't slow down too much the rhythm, and and this should be the main goal. Yep. So so being that it's it's that high speed now, how are how are the guys' uh, tires looking at at this point? You know, kind of as a as a team, are you guys on target with your strategy? Mm-hmm. At the moment, uh, it, it's okay, but. I think we will start to struggle if arrive this point at the end of the race because now the feeling is that uh, it's all okay because we are still have uh, tires left and and now for example today it was uh, the last stages were not so heavy for the tire so at the moment we are on point more or less we are using one tire every two stages and and we are good but we don't know what will happen at the end of the week. It's going to really get down to the line there. It sounds like. One of the aggravating, from a team manager point of view, probably things is not knowing how to predict that variable of the tire, I imagine. No, exactly. Because here, in the end, uh, this terrain is not too hard for the tire because it's not hard pack, mm-hmm. only that it is a lot of a stone. So yeah. the, the the biggest worry we have is that the guys arrive with some cut in the tire yeah. that uh, we find some ones last year. And... Uh, when this happens, it's a disaster because even if it's the first day and the tire is new, you you get the ta- the, the cut and and then it's, it's a problem. It's it's over at that point. Uh, it looks like you guys is, I don't know if it was just the fortune of how the sort of yo-yo or flip-flopping of these stages worked out, but you kind of aligned, you know, Toby and Sam in the right position going into stage five where they couldn't, they, they, they limited how much time they could lose going in today, and they actually look like they're sitting in a really good spot going forward. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. Of course, we, we do work in a strategy, and we try to anticipate all these things, but uh, uh, every time is more and more difficult, mainly because they don't give their road book, so you don't know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's been half that we, we try to, to understand and with experience, what can happen, and also the other half also lucky <laughs> about yeah, yeah. luck because in the end, is is like this. Uh, the main thing is that uh, when the guys open the piece, try to minimize the the, the loss, no. And and uh, luckily, we 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 thought okay because of the terrain, after the prologue, it would be good to don't open the piece, and because it's the first day and uh, the the guys are not still too much on the navigation and this was working really well mm-hmm. and then after because of the description of the stage it was looking like more or less the stage four could be not that difficult and that day toby was opening the stage and also 
uh, he didn't lose too much time. And so in the end, a little bit lucky, but it, it was working. And, uh, and uh, for the, on the other side, uh, Sam, for example, uh, he was able to put himself in one position that uh, is not in, uh, in one extreme of the of the group. So he's comfortable. He doesn't need to push to, to catch back time, but also not to risk opening the, the beast. And, and he's uh, in, the, in the right place now also. Yeah, we've been watching Sam sitting kind of right in that middle spot. Yeah, I feel like you, you nailed it there. He's um, he's kind of in a, in a safe spot and he's trying to avoid, it looks like, the big, the big time swings. Uh, now we're seeing the Honda guys. It seems like uh, Beretta, he doesn't want to stop the... Uh, the back and forth, you know, he, he wants to go extreme every, every day. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think, how long do you think it's going to be before we see things start to, to kind of tighten up and, and the, the big gaps slow down? Do you think it's going to be not till after rest day? Uh, it's difficult because uh, what we expect is that the, the last, the last days, uh, so stages, stages uh, nine, 10, 11, uh, that zone last year it was really tricky in the navigation. Uh, it was really really bad and many things happened and and we expect that this year can be the same. So it's a little bit uh, uh, we don't know what can happen in the in the next one. Uh, uh, now six, seven, eight because it's a new new area a new place uh, when they go to the marathon stage. Uh, so if also so it can be that only those next three stages are difficult, but can be also that this area is also really tricky. So it's, it's difficult to 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 manage this situation because uh, in the end, all the riders also try, except Barretta, I think, the other guys uh, try to don't stay in this position, but it's not easy to control. Sometimes it's, it's out of your hands. Sometimes you start behind, you need to push, but after, when you're to the end of the stage, you cannot stop 10 minutes because... Is is too risky uh, yeah. to change the, the the position for next day. Yeah, you can't give up time because you don't know if you're going to be able to make it up the next day. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Maybe so. you you sacrifice everything for on the stage number seven, yeah. and you do you lose ten minutes, and then the stage seven was easy, and the hard one was the next one. Yeah, and so we are we are suffering a lot with with the strategy, and maybe the the goal is that the guys do. As, as good as possible, try to, to have a, a consistent rhythm and, and focus a lot on the navigation because it looks like is is the key of this uh, Dakar. The, the navigation is really, really important and much more than the, the pace, the, the, the skills of the guys with the bike. Well, hopefully yeah. that continues to go in the next few stages and we see those speeds lower and the, you know, the, the craft of the navigation really become the key player determining the winner of this rally. Yeah. We may not know anything until uh, stage 12 and it kind of sounds like uh, <laughs> yeah. the organization yeah. has, no, no. has really flipped it up on it, on its lid this year. And you know, it's, uh, it kept everybody guessing. Race. Yeah. Everybody's guessing. Exactly. It's, it's, it's hard eh? from here. It's really hard because normally the races you, you, you can predict a little bit and, and uh, is never under control, of course. But this year is, is a disaster. We are here all the time checking the times, the, the checkpoints, the lines, and, and it's yeah. really hard. Um, yeah. Speaking of somebody who's had a hard, hard time, Matthias. You know, he had a really unfortunate day out in the sand with a clutch issue. You know, luckily got mm-hmm. some parts from a guy and got back in, got back in the race. He's clearly out of contention for the most part, unless something crazy happens in the world of rally, but. He kind of seems, Quinn and I have speculated that he's a very good 
asset to the team because he's such a strong navigator and he's such a strong writer. He could be used, you know, strategically to the team's advantage as, you know, a, a lot of things. What do you, what do you kind of have planned for Matias and how is, how is he taking this role? Uh, he's for sure. He's uh, not going to give that uh, up. It was a pity. Not, it's in halfway. Uh, for sure, two hours is a lot of time, but, uh, but he, he likes to, to keep pushing. And of course, if he can be in the top uh, 10 instead of the top 20, he will try to, to be there. Yeah. But, uh, but of course, uh, we are a team and, and uh, the main goal is, is to win the, the race. And uh, if at some moment he can play a role to help on this way, for sure, we will use this card. Awesome. Very good. Well, thank you so much for all your insight, Jordi. It's been uh, it's been great talking with you, and it's really given our our listeners a uh, you know a good uh, grasp on what's going on in the rally. And I, I feel like you guys have a really good strategy going into the second week. Yeah, we're excited to see what comes. Thank you so much for your uh, openness yeah. and you know candor. It's really nice mm-hmm. to hear the the insides of the most dominant team in rally in the history of Dakar. Thank you. Thank you very much also, you guys, and for all the interest here what's going on. And it's a pleasure. And uh, yeah, every time you, you need, uh, I'm here. No problem. Awesome. Thank you, Jordy, very much. Cheers. Okay. Thank you, guys. Have a good evening, Bye. Jordy. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Very cool. That was Jordy Villadomes, Red Bull KTM Factory Rally Racing Team Manager. Oh, you know, Jordy's such a great guy. He's always been one of the one of the most friendly, nicest competitors and and best guys in the bivouac, really. Reputation for being just an excellent navigator. Um, probably one of the most respected navigation instructors in the world. Like we know, we've heard from Jimmy and his stuff he's doing, but I think Jordy has that same thing in Europe. And he's like the precise navigation master, teaching people road books, road book craft, all that stuff. Yeah, and he's got a really good setup just outside of Barcelona where he trains a lot of the factory KTM guys. Yeah, like a training facility. I think the big takeaway from that is we have no idea what to predict. Yeah, very insightful. Yeah, they've turned this rally on on its head this year and we don't, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Right. And they don't know what's going to happen. They're, they're doing their best to adjust every day, but yeah, he's a little coy on some of his strategy, which he should be as team manager, but he, he had openly admitted they're trying to minimize time loss or maximize time gain every day without undue risk and looking forward and trying to predict as much as they can. But he's frankly honest saying, you have to get lucky this year. You have to get lucky because we don't know when the stage is going to slow us down and we don't know when the stage is going to allow our competition to just catch right back up. Yeah. And, and the tire strategy again, too, is he was pretty honest there, pretty blunt that it's not a science. Yeah. You, you can predict, but one tire cut, a guy comes in with a tire cut and you got to throw that thing in the trash and it might still have, it might be the best tire you left. have. Yeah. It could be two <laughs> days left on that tire and you got to throw it away. So uh, interesting input from him was uh, compared to last year, stages 9, 10, 11 this year are going into the same zone where he predicts it to be extremely challenging as far as navigation and probably risk for a lot of time lost. Yeah, for sure. You know, and that's, that's something that again, we just, we just don't know. I mean, we're going to see basically tomorrow's stage. So stage six yep. is, um, Another 
448 kilometers. Uh, Sounds like there's going to be a lot of sand dunes. I think it's allegedly 100% sand tomorrow. Dunes or flat or washes or sandy terrain, but there won't be a lot of hard pack. There's not going to be a lot of rock probably. So tires will probably be pretty safe. Yeah, I think think tires will be okay. Uh, They're going to have some big dunes from what it sounds like. So some of the first big, big kind of mountain dunes. So that'll be interesting. It should make for some some good images. Yep. Um, Which and then the other thing that that we have coming after stage six is the rest day. Yeah. So that that plays into some strategy too because guys can hang it out and then maybe get a break. Right. Um, as uh, again, the pendulums got Jesse confused, and as bad as the day looked for Ricky and for getting uh, admittedly lost, there's no. There's no mistake there that there was mistakes made and that he did not want to be in this position at the end of the day. He probably wanted to be much closer to the top. Tomorrow, yeah. stage six, sand dunes. He's not leading out. He's got a lot of really fast guys around him. Like, I mean, if you look at where Ricky is in the overall standings or even in the stage rankings for today, who is he going to start with tomorrow? Oh, he's going to start with, you know, Pablo Quintanilla, Stefan Svitko, Ricky's next, then Luciano Benavides. You know, then Daniel Sanders is behind him, and his teammate Joan Beretta is behind him. There yeah. are a lot of fast people around him that he can latch onto if he wants to and pin his way to the front and gain up a lot of time. Yeah. And, you know, one guy we haven't talked to, and I, I, I didn't really follow too closely, so I don't really know what happened, but uh, Adrian Van, Van, Van Beveren. Van Beveren. Yep. Sorry about that, Adrian. <laughs> uh, he finished in 23rd and he lost. 34 minutes and we haven't gotten any intel on exactly what happened there right that would be interesting to try to get a little info from inside the yamaha team yeah for sure looks like looks like his second waypoint was atrocious he dropped into 61st place virtually at pk2 yep so he had a sounds like a navigation crash or navigation error um that's the other thing that's going to keep happening right people are going to start pushing it. They're tired. They're going to go down more. They might be breaking parts of their bikes, hopefully not their bodies. And yeah, this is really when the, when the fatigue starts to set in and, you know, after, after five days of riding, you're, you're mentally not as clear. You're tired. It's, it's difficult to get up in the morning and you maybe make some, make some mental errors along the way, whether you're looking at the road book and not paying attention to your riding or vice versa. You're you know, focusing on your riding and not paying attention to the road book. So it, it becomes harder to process all this information. So I think the, the rest day is coming at a, at a good time this year. Mm-hmm. One thing that, that does kind of disrupt things is how guys also, how guys react to the rest day. So some guys, their bodies react differently. Sure. Some guys need the day off they want the rest they want the time to recover and some guys feel like garbage after the rest day they're like oh all my joints locked up that injury i got got worse because i wasn't just pushing on and getting over it exactly so that's i think that's the thing that that is going to play into the to the first day of the marathon stage is is how these guys are reacting to the rest day you know are they going to be tight are they going to have trouble getting going be a little stale in the morning um or are they going to come out swinging I can't, um, I can't stress how amazing it is to watch the organization's plan unfold in front of us. You know, the pendulum swings in the beginning seem to have been maybe not totally intentional, but man, they made for exciting racing and to get everybody engaged in this sport, that was brilliant. And now the, the 
consequences of being in the wrong spot, the timing, the navigation tricks, the rest area. After the rest area, we have marathon stage, totally new strategy. Things get thrown out the window. I mean, yep. And bananas. again, for, for those of you that haven't been listening so far, uh, the marathon stage is basically the riders are not allowed any assistance. Yep. So they have to come in, they get a short service period where they can work on their bikes and then they have to impound their bikes for the night. There's no motor home on the, on the marathon stage. So they're yep. sleeping in, uh, I don't know if it's going to be in tents this year or if it's going to be in some kind of a bunkhouse bunk bunk thing. But the, the key to that is that they have no service from their team. So they have to keep the bike together. They have to keep everything going. If they have a mechanical on on a stage marathon seven. stage, yeah. on stage six, yep. or, then they're basically, they could be out of the rally. Yep. So rest day, they get everything as dialed as they can. Their team can work on their bike. They can freshen it up. Go into stage seven, the first day of the marathon, with the best possible bike they can, best body they can. And hope it lasts through those two days. Yeah, that's you know that's going to be the key is is conserving on the rest day and not making any mental errors. I mean, you look at Kevin Benavides. You yep. know, he's got a broken nose now. Yeah, if that were to happen on a marathon stage where he broke his navigation tower, did some damage to the bike, that could be it. It could be he he's going to be in the rally. He's going to have to follow people at that point, or his bike might not even work. Yeah, you, know, you could have. A- broken I mean, bike it, it always makes for some good drama and aso seems to be kind of the masters of creating drama they're doing a really bang up job at keeping me interested i can tell you that much um i i'm really excited to see tomorrow's stage with the sand dunes and seeing if we can you know see another flip in some times or if we can see some of these guys that are up at the top of the leaderboard starting in those fourth and fifth place positions to see how they keep strategizing you know see where skyler ends up see where sam sunderland's going to end up tomorrow it's a stage he could possibly win starting in fifth place sixth place yeah fifth place he could win that stage but he might not want to like you said he might not want to go in the rest day with a win and then have to lead out the first day of the marathon yeah i don't know maybe he does i don't think we're gonna see many uh many stage wins from sam right away i think he's gonna he's gonna save that for a key key time Yep, maybe when that navigation gets really tricky through those 9, 10, 11s like Jordy clued yep. us in on. The, the guy I see winning tomorrow. Oh, are we going into your picks already? Well, I, I, I mean, we, we can, we can, but. <laughs> I really don't want to talk about picks at this based moment. On, based on our, you know, track record here is, yeah. is I see John Beretta swinging tomorrow and it's going to be, That's it's going to be a winner crash. So we're going to see. We're going to see a big win from Beretta tomorrow, or we're going to see him possibly out of the rally or a big time loss. Yeah, I think that's a really safe bet. I mean, he's starting 17th off, off the line tomorrow. He's going to have 16 tracks in front of him, and he's fast. So, And yep. he's only, uh, how far is he out of the rankings today? Yeah, he's so, only in ninth overall. So, I mean, he can, he can, he's in contention to win this race still, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Beretta is 14 minutes back, so you can yeah. easily see him make up 14 minutes tomorrow. That's the other the thing. guy that, that I see possibly having a performance tomorrow that, that Jesse's been really hoping and praying for <laughs> is uh, the Yamaha factory rider, Adrian ben, ben, Van Beveren. <laughs> We're going to get that sooner or later. Yep. Um, you know, he's starting 23rd tomorrow. You know, I'm a, you know why I'm an Adrian Van Beveren fanboy? Because I went to the Yamaha Tenere 700 intro in Spain, and he was there. Oh, okay. I got to ride Yamaha Tenere 700s with him. Right. So 
you ever ride personal personal connection? You ever ride with Adrian Van Beveren? Uh, you know, no, I haven't ridden. No, with you didn't. I have. Jeez. Oh, so there, well, I got a connection with this guy. Get him on guy. the phone, Jesse. Come on, you guys are buddies. Did you trade contact info I or didn't. what? Come I was on. just too. I was too shy. You really should have thought of that back then when you were there yeah. that we would be doing this podcast and you needed Adrian's phone number. He's a big dude. He's like you. He's not. Yeah. yeah he's not petite. He's not like Nacho who's like the small speedy guy right. or like Paulo Conglavis was. He's not like that rally guy. He's like the new it's big like rally guy. Toby Price or the Daniel Quinn Cody. Sanders. Or Quinn Cody, yeah. I think Daniel's kind of in the middle. Daniel's a big boy. You look at some video of him on that bike. He's got some leverage. He rides bikes like a big boy. Yeah, he's maybe a little he's maybe a little on the skinny side, but he's he's tall. He's strong. Strong like those, bull. Those Aussies, they're uh they have some different yeah. different kind of strength down there. They do. Like a mullet strength. That's what it is. Yeah. The mullet is strong in that country right mullet now. Mullet power. Um I'm pretty happy with so our show so far. I mean, yeah, we're we're looking pretty good. I mean, really we, we've had a we've had a few questions come through. On, yeah, we got uh, question and answer media, time. So I don't know. We might have to just dedicate a show to to Q and A at one point. Yeah, we got some stuff uh, coming in with tires. The tire rule, um, as confusing as it was for the elites, is actually pretty simple when you yep. think of it. They get they get pre mounted rear wheels, six of them with tires on them, marked. They can't leave each other. That's all you get. Yeah, so you can dismount the tire and replace the in, the moose insert and back we're onto talking, the same rim again. Rear tires, yes, rear tires only. So front your tires, rim, you're you're unlimited. Sure. So, in the past, the factory teams would bring each rider twelve tires mounted on wheels, pre-mounted. Its own so, separate truck. You told me. Yes, they would carry it. They would bring a truck that was dedicated to hauling tires. So there were they were not changing tires at the race, really. No, they were just changing wheels swapping yep. wheels in the, on the bike so now basically they're bringing half the number of rear tires yeah. rear, rear wheels i should say so big big difference as far as the uh amateurs uh the original boy motul riders um those type of racers they're not required to obey this six tire rule that we're aware of and yeah. um but they they basically have to pay for their tires from you know michelin or somebody who's there yeah, so usually how it works is is Michelin sets up in the bivouac and they're there changing tires every day. So most yeah. of the the more amateur riders, they don't have 12 sets of wheels yeah. hanging out, no. right? Yeah. So they have to change tires. So when yeah. their tire starts getting worn, they change it. There's no limit to the number of tires that a amateur rider can use. Sure. But also it's not as big of a factor because these guys aren't wearing out tires the same way that the elite guys are. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, you could go to the, you could go to the Michelin truck and get a new rear tire put on your bike every single day. If you're an amateur, if you wanted to, if you could afford it. Yep. And another one of the cost things that we're going to break down in the future is, you know, how much this all costs. We talked to uh, Ned Cease, who is a competitor, um, of the rally and, a am going to come here and finish this race sort of a mindset, which is a cool way for a lot of people to go out there and experience it and you know he gave us some insight to what it cost him uh we want to talk to skylar and see what his cash outflow is you know after he's done doing this little race and get some of that info um we had some other cool questions about what the bivouac life is like right now because of covid and all the restrictions it used to be you know this little town that would go around and everybody sits together and eats yeah it's more than than a town it's a it's It's a a city city. (laughs) and there's 
there's close to a thousand people involved in this, yeah. this whole undertaking from the organization. And it's amazing. Every single day they, they set up these massive tents and they have a, they have a mess tent yep. where they cook, they have food, they have showers, they have bathrooms. There's all the services that the competitors need. Right. And normally they have two or three of these setups. So they leapfrog a day or two ahead. So, so they can have them. a couple days ago. Yeah, yeah. They can have them set up when the, when the riders and the teams arrive. Right. Um, but it's just a massive undertaking. I mean, you're you're feeding a thousand people. Yeah, this is serious in the middle of nowhere. Right. I mean, exactly. They're they're in the middle of the desert, yeah. and um, you know they set up, they set up the kitchen, they set up the media trucks. I mean, the media trucks they have satellite uh, live you know, streaming, television live coverage, everything, yeah. internet. Right. So it's it's a city that they build in the desert every single day. Wow. It's a little more. Um, segregated this year i know a lot of the factory teams a lot of the elite teams are not participating in those group meals they're not sitting in the you know mess hall socializing and chatting they're just in their bubbles inside bubbles and just limiting exposure because they know if anybody gets sick they're going to be you know yeah risking their race and they right, don't, yeah. they, they're not they're not into that their race is over i don't yeah. know if they're doing any kind of covid testing along the way but probably the plan was yeah. to get everyone that's in the bivouac to test negative keep them there then isolate them keep yep. them in the bivouac right now i mean the teams the motorhome and the truck drivers they have exposure they go out they have to fill their trucks with gas and they have to, to get yeah. water and go to the grocery store things like that but what we're seeing from the elite riders now is in in their motorhomes, they're having people cook for them. So they're not going to the mess tent for dinner. They're having right. their own food prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, but still the amateurs and all the mechanics and everybody else has to go to the to the mess tent to eat. Sure. Um, so there's mingling happening no matter what. Yeah, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's always been kind of the fun part of Dakar is, you know, after your day, you'd go sit down next to some of your competitors and friends and you just talk stare, stories shake and, your head and be yeah, like, what did we just what, do today? What happened today? <laughs> what were we thinking? Why did I come here? Yeah. And then in the morning, it's the same. I mean, they have breakfast ready for you at 4 a.m. and sometimes 3 a.m. There's food there. And wow. uh, they make these little lunch baggies. For everyone. Okay. So there's hundreds and hundreds of these lunch bags that are set out. Um, you can grab it in the morning and, you know, you see the riders, they have a pocket in the back of their jacket. And yep. a lot of times you'll see that kind of bulged out and that's usually their lunch sack. Yeah. So what they do is they take that, they'll ride to the start of the special, then they'll pull that out and they dig through and see what they want to eat out of there. Usually there's some fruit and maybe like a, I know in the past they had these little cans of pate, like Ooh. pate or something yum gross like that and <laughs> some crackers and very very french very yummy yeah but um you pate. definitely after about a week of that you get pretty sick of the same old lunch bag yeah you're just throwing calories down at that point i know a lot of these guys bring a lot of their food with them you know they're yeah. bringing uh you know their nutrition supplements and their protein shakes and their breakfast bars and all that kind of stuff for sure the elite guys are all carrying a lot of their own stuff and yeah. maybe they don't maybe you know they want some variety because you can only eat bars for so long yeah amen to that but Getting a little barred out our amateurs for sure are eating you know whatever they can get in their in their bodies well they paid a lot of money so they're trying to eat 
Yeah, <laughs> don't you got to use that. Use that money you paid for your entry fee and your tire fee and all the other fees that are going into this race for them. I know. When I was when I was on the bike, I never really took the lunch bag from the organization. Yeah. But uh, when we were when we we're in the car, we'd start a little later, and so you had a little more time. And I'd throw a couple lunch sacks in the in the car with BJ and try to dig you know, through it. Be digging through there, and they'd have some potato chips and sure. some stuff like that. But I I remember that the canned pate is really sticking to you. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, I was I was hungry, so I was eating this stuff. But <laughs> after after five or six days of eating this this paste on crackers you're like Ooh. oh and still to this day i i just have this gross yeah i get sick when i think about that so like i could use a breakfast burrito <laughs> right that's yep. what we're gonna do we're gonna have a rally where we only have breakfast burritos for everybody every day yep so picks okay you got? i started um, mine so we didn't we did we total up yesterday's we Jesse's did. got it on his paperwork over there, but he's, he's getting sloppy. I'm also reluctantly talking about this because I'm so bad at it this year. I beat you really bad yesterday, as usual. So I'll go ahead and go. I don't even remember who I picked yesterday. but I can tell you I, who I you picked I had, yesterday. I think I had like three of the two of the top three at least. So you did. pretty good. You picked, smartly, Matthias Wagner. Kevin Max Benavides and Toby Price. So you did pretty good. Yeah, I got first, third, and Matias was eighth. Yep. Not too bad. That wild card Matias. We talked to Jordy about him today. That was interesting. I was really trying to get Jordy to give us the the Matias factor. But Yeah, he wasn't giving much up there. I think Matias is gonna get some stage wins. He deserves them after his brutal day out there. So I picked Skyler to win because I'm a fanboy. And then Stefan Svitko, because I think that guy is underrated. And then Quintanilla. So I did a terrible job. You got seventh, eleventh, and tenth. tenth. Yeah. So yeah, Not, you know. But I mean, if you're going for the overall, that's kind of where you want to finish every day, right? Right. It's on purpose. That's yeah. why I did that. Yeah, I'm yeah. just trying to win daily picks. I'm not trying to go for overall picks here. Okay, I'm going okay. daily picks. So right. you've already pretty much Giving me your first pick. You think Beretta's going to win. Yeah, so what's tomorrow? Stage six, right? Stage six. Everybody, listen up. 170 kilometers liaison, 448 kilometers of special. That's roughly 250-some miles. Um, it's going to be sand dunes, 100% sand. I, I'm predicting... I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to say that it's 100% sand, Jesse. I don't want to correct you on this, but... It's it says 100%, 100% sand on the website. Uh, you know how the internet is. It's not everything on the internet is true. Reliable. So I'd say there's going to be some stones and rocks mixed in here and there. You, you, the road to hail will be a hundred percent smooth and sandy. Sandy. What is, what Doesn't is vague no about rocks. that description? <laughs> it says a hundred percent smooth. We're going to base our whole strategy of the rally on, on these, on the ASO telling us on the hundred word description. Smooth. It also says, even the toughest riders will end up with their arms like jelly. Wow. Jelly arms. Jelly arms. Jelly arms and, well, it's 100% smooth. How are their arms going to get jelly? They, maybe they should have said their arms like pate. Ugh, gross. There goes the pate. Okay, that was, so. That was the translation. The Google Translate didn't work out so well for him on that one. Joan right. Barreda, number one for you. Barreda. I'm going to say Ricky Brabeck. 
is he's gonna latch on to he's not gonna be able he's gonna want to make that time back up and he's okay going into the after the rest day first day of the marathon we'll, we'll find second out. out of the gate we'll find out and then oh, oh man this is a tough one i'm i'm hung up between daniel sanders and adrian Be- van beveren mm-hmm. i'm just based on their kind of track record so far i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with sanders yep that's my a, third that's a pretty good guess i think if there's any really tricky navigation i think sanders is going to struggle a little bit i mean he's he's proven himself but if he gets really tricky he's gonna he's yeah gonna but he's got a, a lot of tracks to follow he's got a lot of tracks to follow that's true here's my uh my because i a brother like i have brothers right so okay if my brother won today i'd be pissed off (laughs) so if i was luciano benavides yep i'd be pinning it tomorrow i'd be pinning it and i would rub it in my brother's broken nose the next day (laughs) so luciano benavides from the husqvarna team he's gonna win he's starting right behind ricky all Ricky's right. going to pin it, and Luciano's going to be just a little bit behind him, and yeah, it's going to use that time special. That's a good um, good observation there. I like it. I like it. It's mostly because I have brother jealousy. It's not really about Luciano. Right. Um, I think I'm going to put Ricky in second as well. Just copying my picks. Yep, I'm just copying your picks for Ricky. And then I think I'm going to put Walkner in third. Okay, that's a good one. Because I think think that's going to be somewhat of a strategy of old Jordy, who didn't give us all the details, but I think he wants Walkner top three almost every day, leading out his boys. Yeah, well, I think Walkner, he also kind of has a personal goal to make make back up some time. And like kind of like Jordy said, I don't know where he's sitting in the overall now, but I think there's potential there for him to he's maybe 29th work his way. Yeah. So, I mean, he's two hours and 16, 16 minutes back. Right. So there's, there's some potential for him to make his way up easily, Certainly. easily inside the top 20, very possibly by the end of this thing inside the top 10. Yep. Certainly someone is going to lose multiple hours on a stage. Yep. From here on out. It's going to, and happen. one of these top guys is going to happen. They're going to have a mechanical error. They're going to, you know, throw a chain. They're going to destroy a, tire and zip tie it to get home or something but something crazy is going to happen in the next few days right and i i feel like we haven't given any of these guys any love and i honestly haven't even looked to see how our americans in the side-by-sides are doing well i've been following it a little bit um these and motorcycle guys have been freaking me out i know i know and gosh i mean the side-by-sides so it looks like today we saw austin jones finish fourth in the yep. Can-Am, Monster Energy Can-Am. Yep. And Seth Cantero in the Red Bull off-road prototype buggy. Yeah. Starting to figure this out. I know. <laughs> finished finished third overall. So AJ Austin is running the Can-Am production buggy. Right. Which is a Can-Am, I guess, Maverick, right? Right. And then Seth Cantero is running a prototype. OT3. OT3. Yep. Made by Overdrive. Uh, maybe clear some things up and then it's a u.s team yeah so the red bull it's part of the red bull development program right um they're trying to get some more car racers out here exactly they're trying to get those guys into the big boy class yep austin's in a really good spot you know he's on the podium just hanging out there he's got a really tough competitor in front of him francisco lopez contardo 
So Chaleco is a madman, and yeah, he has won. I mean, I I haven't been following super close, but I want to say he's won the last couple of days. Like, yep, he's he's winning, and he's time. eleven minutes ahead yeah. uh, in the general. So he's he's doing what Ricky did last year. Basically, is he got out front. He's not losing any time now. He's maybe getting chipped away a little bit, but he's in. He's he's out there pinning it. Yeah, and um, our. Our buddy Wayne Matlock, who's a fellow uh, California guy, yep, he's finished. Uh, where did Wayne finish today? He finished thirty fifth today. He's eighteenth overall, so he's knocking on that top ten by the end of the race. Uh, his wife, <clears throat> Kristen, had a really bad day the other day. Broke yeah. the whole front of her car, crashed off a dune, but they fixed it, limped it home, and now she was regained as like a provisional starter so yeah, she's out so there for she, finishing and she was able experience. to take her joker and compete in yeah. the they call it a joker which is they allow you to restart yeah up to three stages uh in 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 the future right it's so the recovery re-entry rule yeah, gotcha. yeah she was able to restart the next day uh, which is good going and gain some experience because yeah it's it's tough i mean you spend a lot of money it's a big investment getting there and yeah. then to to just have your rally end on day three is, the big news in this class is the absence of casey curry who won it last year, first American, you know, along with Ricky, they won at the same time and shook out a little bit. Some news came out yesterday. Yep. Contract issues. So he was on Can-Am last year. Right. Won on Can-Am. His contract ends at the end of 2020. Dakar starts in 2021. So when your contract ends at the end of the year, you don't have a lot of time to carry over and plan. It takes months of planning. So if yep. you're not going to be on a Can-Am next year and you don't have your contract done already, you can't race unless you are working behind the scenes with your other team. But announcement yesterday, he just joined the Polaris factory racing team. So one of the goals is to get him to Dakar next year for sure. Yeah, that that's interesting because, you know, we, we saw that come out yesterday. So he's on yeah. the, he's driving for Polaris. And um, yep. so that may be part of their, their long game is get uh, Wayne and Kristen over there to gain some experience. Yep. Put Casey in the car next year. Probably get, you know, Darren Skilton. He's the team manager, uh, yep. creator of the Sonora Rally. Tons of rally experience. Probably sitting over there just taking notes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this might be a long-term, next year with long-term plan a by, teams. by Polaris. Yeah, so. The big Polaris machines cranking we'll up the heat. Yeah, They're thinking yeah. way ahead. They're thinking in stage like, you know, next year stage. That's planning. Yep. And, you know, it's interesting you talk about contracts because uh, generally the bike guys, their contracts yeah. usually end after Dakar. And so that's when they renew. Gotcha. Uh, but it's always made it a little bit difficult for Americans because we're looking to sign a contract in September, October at the latest for, for the get next ready year. For it. So a lot of Americans have already signed or they don't want to wait until February, March to sign a new contract. So it that's one thing that's made it difficult for some of our high level guys to get in. Or even the up and, up and comers like Skyler. I mean, he's basically financed his own way in with a lot of support from people, but yeah. Do you, do you pass on a, on a ride here in the States yeah. to hopefully get something for Dakar that's in what he's February done. or March? And he's so. done it and he's out here racing for a job basically. Big risk. Yeah. And he's, we should have, we should ask Jordy about that. Maybe, uh, maybe we get, get Jordy back on the phone yeah. and we ask him, you know, about getting Skyler on the uh, factory team for next sure. year. Sure. Let's do it. And if that, you know, we'll, we'll ask him, we'll ask uh Honda team 
Last the Rockstar team will just be like, what about Skyler? He's beating some of your guys, you know, general classification. Yeah, you know. It's looking oh, good. Can make a, we can make some calls, make <laughs> that happen for him. Jesse and Quinn's agency to the stars. All right, everybody. Yeah. Uh, that was stage five. Crazy hard day. Uh, as Ricky said yesterday, the rally started started now. Yep. So very cool to see. Uh, exciting stuff coming up. Tomorrow's Dune stage, we should see some pretty big time swings. So accept a, or expect a flop to happen in the standings probably. Um, unless Nacho and Kevin can just lead it out. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be a miracle, I think, but we'll see. I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, I think these guys are going to get some much deserved rest and hopefully Kevin Benavides can recover from his injuries and, and keep continue on in the rally. Yeah. Not lose too much time tomorrow. For sure. So don't forget to uh, keep your eye on Cycle News Instagram and put your picks up. We had a few people put their picks up today, and uh, yeah. we're going to have to calculate that and see. Uh, see if anybody won. Yeah, right. See if anybody beat you. I didn't beat you. Uh, well, we'll Noticed uh, Cato, experience. Mark Korea picked basically as good as I did, and that's not a good sign for him. He's got a lot of experience. He should know better. You you know, the, the key to this to this fantasy league stuff is you take all your emotion out of it. Oh, you just go based purely on the facts and the numbers and the statistics. If I'm going to do things without emotion, I might as well quit this job and just be an accountant. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have to be able to turn that stuff on and off. Not for me. I have (laughs) mas passion. See, see. All right, everybody. Uh, have a great day today. Get all fired up for tomorrow's stage. And then uh, rest day, we're probably going to just pump out some interviews. We got, uh, I teased you earlier this, we got Ned Cease, we got Edo Mosi. We got to get Edo up. Yeah, it'd be interesting to look back on Edo's interview after we've seen some of the rally play out. Yeah, Edo's the guy that made the race course today or this year. And man, I bet I bet we catch some chuckles in his voice now that we didn't notice For the sure. first time Maybe. we listened to it. Maybe we can get him back on the phone one yeah, day. Yeah, I bet we can. All right. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later.